Review code provided by Team17. Stick around to the end to find out how you can win your own copy. I'm Jared. I'm Marcus. Level with us. Welcome to the show where we have a cozy video game discussion every week. And this week we are reviewing a new indie title that's about to come out called Dredge. And uh, before we get into it, I first want to say thank you for joining me, Marcus. Oh, wow. I've, I've felt taken for granted. That really means a lot to me that you would thank me at the start of the you know, show. You know, you're a big part of the show. I don't thank you enough. So thank you for being here. Huh. And to our listeners... Thank you for joining us. Very excited to review and discuss this game with you. And if people stick around to the end of the episode, we will be giving a code away for this game. The folks at Team 17 hooked us up with an extra code. So very excited to give that away. And you'll find out how you can enter to win at the end. So without further ado, let's talk Dredge. Let's dredge up some information. Ooh, I, I'm expecting you to come up with at least three more puns throughout the rest of this episode. Okay. Okay. Because that first one was not good, so like I got to do better. We're gonna dredge up some information. Speaking of which, uh, what kind of game is Dredge? Let's do a little. What is even happening? If you had to pitch this game to someone, Marcus, in terms of like what kind of genre it is, uh-huh. how would you describe it? It's a dredge like. A dredge. Uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, you know, I really think it's it's one of those games where it really depends on how the game developers want to market it, you know? It's kind of like authors have to decide what kind of shelf they want their book on. Mm. And so I feel like there are a lot of things that you could accurately describe this game as. I would call it, um, it's a fishing game inspired by, like, Lovecraftian mythos. So it's got a little bit of horror to it, but mostly just a mysterious fishing game. Mysterious Fishing Game is very good. In fact, I think that is what they put on the uh, the website. For me, I, I tried, before I looked it up, I, I was like, how would I describe this game? I wrote down an inventory management fishing sim with light survival horror elements. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That feels very uh, well thought out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's the best way of putting it. I don't think anyone's being like, oh, an inventory management game. Oh, I want to get into that. You know, I, I think uh, <laughs> the way you said is better. And I think the way they said on the website is is even better than that. Um, on the So the developer for this game is Black Salt Games. And they on their website, they call it a mysterious fishing RPG, which I think is, you know, that's an apt short way of, of describing the game. But uh, on Team 17's website and on the the eShop page, it says Dredge is a single player fishing adventure with a sinister undercurrent. Ooh, undercurrent. That's a pun. Yeah, there we go. There's we're we're up to two on the pun counter. No, that I didn't do that. I oh, got you're right. it. I got it. Well, when you come up with one, I'm gonna play a little chime to to show your pun ticker go up. No pressure though. That's great. So now that we've kind of described the game, let's actually talk about gameplay. Uh, in this game, you are an old fisherman, and uh, you set off from these little islands called the Marrows, and you are dredging up equipment from the depths in order to upgrade your ship, and you are also fishing uh, lots of different kinds of fish. I think there's over 
uh, 120, I want to say, in this game that you can then sell for profit. There are also certain people looking for specific types of fish and, uh, you know, other tasks and some light puzzles throughout the game as well. Uh, there is an overarching story as well where you're searching out these uh, artifacts and you're trying to solve the, you know, there's there's a, there's clearly a, something else going on and by the end you, you learn more about an overarching mystery. But for the most part, you are fishing and you are dredging. And uh, weirdly enough, this game is kind of one of my escapist fantasies, which doesn't sound sure. right. You know, like who wants to be on a, a slimy old boat fishing? But I don't know. Literally I really fishing abominations. Like yes. some of these fish are like mutated. Yes. One of them has this like giant cyclops eye. And if you read the description, it's like, oh, no, no, it's not an eye. It's an egg. And like, it's just, <laughs> there's a lot of very... <laughs> very disturbing looking fish. I'm I'm happy that you you enjoy that fantasy. I want good, to good do for that. You. I want to fish aberrations and sell them to people without being infected by uh, insanity. Now, I, I I don't know what it is. I think it's just kind of the overall genre and clearly there is some Lovecraftian or Eldritch influences in here. Um but just the idea of of having your own boat that you're slowly upgrading, you know, Replacing equipment, mm-hmm. the grind. getting new fish. Yeah, I, I, some games I do not like the grind, but I really liked it in this game, and I was hooked. Uh, no pun like intended. Oh, okay, like, oh no, you're winning. <laughs> it wasn't intended, but let's add one to the ticker. Nice. I, I was hooked. I really liked the loop of this game of selling, getting money, upgrading the ship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Tell me your experience, though. Well. First, can I tell you uh, a random experience uh, from my childhood? Sure, if it's relevant. <laughs> it might be. All right, let's so, find out. <laughs> so for a bug collecting class, uh, or for, for a biology class in high school, I had to collect bugs. And on the last day, I needed to collect like a different, an entirely different class or genus. I can't remember which level I was on, but of bugs. So I went to the river uh, at night and I was like using a net or something to try to catch like water skimmers and stuff. Mm. And while I was there, my eyes sort of focused and I saw this large, like, I want to say a foot side to side. And like, it felt like it must've been eight feet long and it was undulating or sorry, that's the wrong word. It was waving up and down and it freaked me out and I still don't know what it was. And uh, that is this game. <laughs> yeah. So I'm basically saying that that sort of like terror of like, what did I just see under the water <laughs> is very much the type of uh, the type of thriller that this game is going for. That's the kind of horror I can get behind is just kind of like the what is what is out there? Like, you never really know what you're going to encounter. Um, I think Subnautica also does that very very well you know the deeper you go into subnautica you don't know what colossal leviathan is about to head straight for you and you you know can't do anything because you're swimming likewise you don't know what's under the water there could be sharp rocks anywhere uh this game also has a little like sanity meter that goes up the more you sail at night because you can rest until morning but there are certain fish that are only available at night. There's certain events that only happen at night. Or you might be in between islands and there's no fast travel. So you you got to get to port so that you can sleep. And the more you go without sleeping and the more you sail at night, your sanity meter 
reaches a peak and you start to hallucinate things. And I didn't really understand this early on. Um, it, it was a little disturbing to like be like, oh, I see a light that must be a port I can go dock at. And then I, I got closer and closer and then it just vanished. And I realized it was a hallucination. Likewise, you'll see other boats going around that aren't really there. If you don't have a good enough flashlight, there will be rocks that appear out of nowhere and damage your ship. But if it's if you're getting especially insane, I guess, uh, you will be attacked by monsters uh, from, from underneath the current. Um, there might be a flock of birds overhead that start stealing the fish from off your ship. And uh, I think part of the fun of all of that is not knowing what's going to happen if you don't sleep enough. So you can play it safe or you can try and risk it. But um, if you do, you might encounter something that gives you a hard time. Spooky. So, yeah, it's spooky and I like it. Seems very fitting for the Lovecraftian inspirations that are in this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at first, uh, like the eye, it kind of seemed fishy to me. There you go. Oh. Um, well, I at first I thought, oh, it's something that's like looking at you or tracking you. And then I figured out, oh, it's kind of representing your character's feeling. It doesn't directly explain, at least maybe I missed it, but it doesn't directly explain what you're trying to manage by, you know, avoiding panic. But mm -hmm. I, I think your explanation helps me understand it a bit better. That is what happened. And I just didn't really connect the dots. Yeah. So like one or two parts of the game you know if your ship gets damaged enough you know you can repair it at port but you right. have a limited amount of hits you can take and if you take enough hits you just die and you have to go back to the um, last checkpoint which can be punishing um actually because you might mm -hmm. have fished a bunch since then uh so definitely something you need to to manage but you're right it, it doesn't give a very clear explanation um and i, I kind of like it that way where you don't know what's going to happen you just know you need to sleep uh mm -hmm. or else watch out so yeah just like real life yeah just like real life yeah so you you asked me what i thought about this i game, did right? yes tell me what you thought i think that in general i think it's a really cool concept and uh i enjoyed playing it we haven't mentioned yet what the primary like mini game mechanic is which is kind of almost quick time event type tapping there there's a circle and you're trying to tap when your little indicator is overlapping a little green part of the circle so that's how you fish and that's how you dredge stuff is by navigating these little circle mini game things. Right. And there's lots of variations of it. Sometimes you're right. It's just a, a line going back and forth. And you're trying to time it right. Sometimes it's little beads that are <laughs> moving around the circle and you have to time it with the top. Sometimes for dredging, you are uh, switching between two lanes like grind rails, trying not to get mm -hmm. hit. And all of this was very engaging for me. I think they did enough variations on the fishing minigame that we've seen a lot in different video <laughs> games to make it uh, interesting. And I especially liked that bigger fish were generally harder to catch. I think that made sense. Right. I, I, I agree. I think that in a game where you're going around catching fish, there needs to be something that makes each fish feel like a catch. And I feel like this accomplished that it's it's basically a micro game because you're you're doing it you're completing each of these in like three to five seconds so it's kind of like a, oh yeah one more i can do this and that kind of thing and then occasionally though it was like actually difficult mm -hmm. um but this game also has like a lot of accessibility features and it looks like one of them is like 
if you're struggling with mini games, you can make it like much easier. Which is always appreciated, for sure. Um, the other aspect of the game that I kind of mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast was the uh, inventory management. So each fish takes up a certain number of squares in your hull, and you play this, you know, it's like Tetris, where you're trying to fit as many fish into your ship as you can before you go home and, and sell them all off. Um, but, you know, if you catch a shark, that's going to take up a whole bunch of room, and you might have to toss a few fish overboard if you want to keep it. Because uh, all of your equipment takes up space, too, like your headlight and... Your fishing rod. Yes, exactly. So I uh, enjoyed that as well. It was a, a fun challenge to be like, ooh, ooh, maybe I can uh, squeeze this one more thing in if I just rearrange all my other fish mm-hmm. real quick. Yeah, yeah. it felt really fulfilling to like, oh, I can fit all of this stuff to get back to port. And then it felt especially awful when you're like, I'm filled to max. And then a passenger is like, please save me. You're like, I do not have room. Or even worse, a shipwreck becomes a hermit crab and attacks your ship. And uh, a, a, a massive hermit crab. It, it really stings when you're like, oh, I had so much stuff. Yes. And, and when you get attacked, sometimes you lose stuff. Um, sometimes it's really important stuff. Oh, and also you can dredge up treasures, which you can sell for money, too. Not sure if we mentioned that. But, uh, yeah, I think we have a good feel for what this game is. Let's get more into the details of what we liked with Star Pieces. This is where we highlight a cool detail or game mechanic or uh, Easter egg or something that we found that we really enjoyed about this game. And I'll start. I love books. In this game, you get <laughs> some books that uh, from, from NPCs, sometimes after completing a side quest. And what you do is you just press a button in your menu to start reading the book but the book is only read as you're sailing so as you explore and as you move around the percentage of the amount of book you've read goes up which i like that idea thematically like this old Uh fisherman is reading books as he's fishing and as he's uh going around this archipelago but once it's completed you get a little passive buff to something where it might be there's less chance of fish being reduced in an area because there's only a, a limited amount of fish in each fishing spot. Um, there's less chance of that being reduced when you fish, or maybe you're less susceptible to insanity, stuff like that. And there weren't a lot of books. I wish there were more. Um, but whenever I got one, it felt super rewarding because I love game mechanics where you're passively getting things done while doing other things. I think that just feels great. Yeah, and and especially books because I just finished <laughs> Persona, um, Persona Four, for the and I've never played a Persona game and I love how in that game you'll do your main action for the day and you go home and you read a book, and over time that will buff one of your social stats, and it just it's like a bonus, uh, just a little bonus or like a relic in Slay the Spire, you know stuff like that where <laughs> yeah, you're passively yeah. getting things. It's a wonderful alternative to reading books in real life. Be like, yes. no, 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 I don't need to read. My characters are reading books. <laughs> That's wonderful. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. or I, I think you, you hit the nail with, with the hammer head. Mm, yeah, no? that's good. No, t- that's okay, okay, all right. Sweet. It's good. But I think all that to say, I think you're right. I, I think uh, <laughs> I'm avoiding books by doing this, but I love reading books in my virtual game world. That's for sure. I wonder if you would ever get really hooked on an idle game. I know that they're like reprehensible on the surface, but like once you like get into one, you might be like, hey, 
my numbers are going up even when I'm not playing. See, I do like that, but I have to like the core gameplay. Like, Cookie Clicker mm-hmm. is not going to do anything you for me. You don't like the core bla- gameplay of pressing a single button? That doesn't do it for you? Well, like, in, at least in this game, you have to learn how to pilot the ship, which is actually very difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, you hit the side into things all the time, and then there's a fishing minigame, like you said. So to the, to to see your your engine grow over time feels great because I like the core gameplay. But sure. Cookie Clicker or some other clicker idle game, like where the core thing is just pressing a button without engaging in anything other than buying more things, ah, sure. uh, doesn't really do it for me by itself. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to defend yourself. I I also really enjoyed the books. It's like a baking mechanic. It's like oh, my rolls are done. <laughs> yeah, and they're good buffs too. I I just uh yeah, wish there were more of them. So, that was cool. What's your star piece? My star piece is something I've mentioned which is these like gross fish that these aberrations they play a a little sound cue when you catch one of these fish and it has like a detuned piano and a toy piano and it is very creepy. It's also very short. And you can catch these fish, you know, basically they're mutated versions of fish you're already catching for you. So you never know when you're going to get one. Sometimes it's unexpected. The thing is, it's like a good thing. Like, I think they sell for more. They do. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an interesting mix of like, hooray and ugh. like I, I started whenever I got one to go over to its little description by hovering over it to see like what it says about the fish. And it always added to the whole vibe of, oh, dear gosh, this is <laughs> this is a nightmare. This is a nightmare fish. I have caught a nightmare. Anyway, with with a little bit of reflection, I was like, yeah, I kind of I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the the little feeling of dread of seeing like this terrifying design of like a squid that has uh finger like mandibles or whatever like some just really creepy stuff it's like finding a shiny pokemon gone wrong you know <laughs> exactly it's it's if finding ooh pitch for the next pokemon game all shiny pokemon are actually nuclear like mutations and instead of like saying their pokemon name they just say please and Oof. That's a little, I think that's a little too dark for a Pokemon game. I think it's impressive in this game that they um, did that for every single fish. I like that each one has its own variant. Very cool. I caught like a, um, oh gosh, what do you call it? The deep sea fish with a little light on. Oh, I caught an angler fish and then I got a variant of it that's basically like an alien from the movie Alien where uh, it has a little, its little tongue also has a jaw coming out of it like oh that's funny very distressing and i think it should stop but i still enjoyed it (laughs) very fun very fun indeed but not everything about this game is fun like all games we have little complaints and that's where quick jabs comes in this is where we talk about something that we didn't like as much about the game marcus please start us off you already mentioned that the the ship is difficult to control and i think that that's intentional but occasionally i was frustrated with trying to like move the camera and also steer the ship like i was like i would like the camera to be here and it would like auto adjust the camera and so like there was like sometimes agency with that and sometimes not so i guess my quick jab is just navigation generally and maybe it's because i like didn't upgrade my speed very much very quickly so it felt kind of like a drag you know sure 
but I don't want to sound shallow. Ooh, wow. Even when you're negative, you're still very punny, Marcus. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I understand that. In fact, sometimes I would upgrade my speed and I'd be like, oh, this is great because, you know, hopefully I can get faster while the day progresses because time only moves when you do throughout the world, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, or when you're fishing. But sometimes I'd, I'd put a new fancy engine on there and I would be going way too fast and bump into things all the time. And it didn't really feel like an upgrade at all. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I get you there. It, it, it's, it takes some finesse, for sure. I, and I, I think that that's purposeful design. I just didn't find much enjoyment out of the, like, navigation and having to, you know, sail through fairly empty parts of water at times. Uh, a little bit like Wind Waker. Hmm. But I, d I do enjoy being on a ship. It is fun. And especially they do find a lot of ways you can interact with the world. You're not just fishing and dredging. You're also like finding temples and bringing passengers other places. And But this is a quick jab. I don't have to. No, no, no. I don't was, have to. <laughs> no, Marcus, I think that was a real good quick jab. Boo. Actually, no. That's, you're not going to boo me. Good. This is a competition. <laughs> you're right. You're right. That was good. That was good. Uh, my quick jab is that I think the character art is really good in this game, and it makes me sad that there aren't, like, more cutscenes. And I know it, it takes a lot to, to animate and stuff like that. There's a little intro cutscene, and there's a little cutscene at the end of the game, of course, as well. But um, you'll notice, if you look up the promotional trailers for this game, they don't actually show much gameplay. They show interesting animations of your character selling fish and, like, hinting and alluding at the overall mystery of the game. Um, and they're really well done and really well put together. I wanted to see those in the game. There are mm -hmm. a few story beats throughout the game where you meet a new character, whether it's like a scientist trying to discover the secrets of the depths or a, a religious fanatic who wants your help with something. And when you meet these key characters, I wish it played just a short little cutscene of you walking into uh, their abode and them, you know, looking up at you or something to that effect. I think that would have added a lot and made the story more cohesive. Because um, it is an interesting story, it has an interesting ending, but it's you kind of have to dig to find what's happening in the story with things you collect over time. And I think uh, cutscenes would have helped with that. So never thought I'd be complaining about the lack of cutscenes in a game, but there you go. <laughs> I I agree. I think that that would elevate it. I wonder if it was a budget thing where they're like they spent on promotional materials they're like all right we can't really i mean that's a fair point i mean you when you market a game sometimes that mm -hmm. costs just as much as developing the game so right well yeah maybe maybe it's a, a type of bait for potential <laughs> low blow but we'll give it to you low blow i think you mean to say i wouldn't i wouldn't low call hanging them fruit. i wouldn't call them bait but yeah okay fair enough whatever bait sure sounds great Okay, we're almost done here, but we have one more section before our giveaway, and that is, who's the fake fan? Fake fan. This is the part of the show where we try and figure out who among us is the biggest nerd, and who's the fakest fan by asking each other nerdy trivia questions about the game that we played. Uh, who would you like to go first? I can go first. Sounds great. I think this one's going to be fairly easy for you. We'll see. So we talked about how this uh, has some great old ones, Lovecraftian mythos-inspired uh, stuff in the story. Uh, I have a list here of a couple of the great old ones. 
Which of these is not from the original Lovecraftian mythos? Uh, okay. Is it Azathoth, Nyarlathotep, Yogg-Sothoth, or Mogchothra? I believe it's Mogchothra, because that is from Broken Age. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's why I said that this would be maybe an easy one for you, because you don't necessarily... I'm assuming you probably don't know intimately the the Cthulhu mythos. No, they sounded vaguely familiar. You know, you and I did a a Call of Cthulhu one-shot one time, and I think some of those names might have popped up, but I don't... (laughs) I did use some of those names. I don't recall, so... Yeah, uh, Mark Chathra. Thank you. So it was, it was more a, a game of, I wanted to see if you remembered the name of the thing in Broken Age. For whatever reason, I feel like it's very memorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I know I jumped on that a little too fast. I didn't want to jump the shark or anything. But uh, uh, yeah, but I'm glad yeah, I got it right means, in the end. That's not what that means, but <laughs> I don't care. That's not, that's not what that idiom means, but sure. I'm going to win this uh, As a contest. side note. <laughs> I yeah I th- I think I'm I think I'm gonna give up. Y- you've made like a trillion of these. Wow. What's yeah, no, that's not even good. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I I was gonna say, looking at this list here of a couple of names that Lovecraft wrote, he must have really thought that ths were the pinnacle of existential. Yeah, dread. what an odd sound, what a sound in the English language. O T H Azathoth Nyarlathotep. And Yog Sothoth all have OTHs. Yog Sothoth has T H O T H. I'm sure. I'm sure that if if he kept writing, eventually he would create like the greatest, oldest one would have been Probably, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll go ahead with my fake fan question. Uh, like yours, this is also historically based. As you know, the old ones, they're they're historical. Yeah, they're, they're they're historical fiction. That's right. They existed. <laughs> they I, do exist within the the dark spaces in the Assyrian geographies within the mists. <laughs> they are ever waiting beneath the waves to be woken once again. They do not care. They do not love. They only seek to eat. They hunger. They hunger for souls, but not souls to keep. Souls to destroy. Souls, sorry, go ahead, Jerry. You're reading something, aren't you? No, I'm trying to improvise. This is turning into the wrong kind of podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to name for you four ancient civilizations. Oh. I want you to tell me which one was the first one to build a lighthouse. Whoa. I like that the lighthouse is like the center point of this game. You can usually always see it no matter what part of the map you're on. So tell me, who created the first lighthouse? These are your options. Again, all ancient civilizations. Egypt, Rome, the Mayans, or China? Interesting. This is a cool question. I'm assuming it didn't look like the lighthouses today with blue and white stripes. And <laughs> No, definitely did not. So essentially what we're saying is, who was the first civilization to put a light on a tower for ships to see. So I think feasibly any of them could have had the technology to do that. I I don't know if I'll be able to logic my way into this. So I feel like it's either China or Egypt. I'm going to guess Egypt. That is correct. We are both not the fakest fan this week. Heck yeah. Uh, The first lighthouse was Egypt's Pharos of Alexandria. 
built in the third century BC, and it is what you said it is. It was a light on a platform, uh, a fire on a platform. That's it. So, um, lighthouse facts. Who says lighthouse this podcast facts. isn't educational, huh? huh? <laughs> anyway, without further ado, I think it's time we do our special game giveaway. So, as I mentioned before, Team 17 has given us a Switch game code in the North America region for Dredge that we will be giving out to one lucky listener on our next episode. So, you have about a week, week and a half to enter. In order to be considered for this game code, you need to send us the creepiest, otherworldliest, gnarliest, real-life deep sea creature you can find on the internet <laughs> okay so <laughs> i didn't know about this <laughs> i told you about this sorry <laughs> you didn't know anyway well this is how it works so basically you will if you want to uh enter to win a, a copy of dredge for the switch you need to send us an email to level with us podcast at gmail.com and include the name of a deep sea creature that you think is just the creepiest one in the whole world. Again, these have to be real life ones. You can include a picture if you want, you can include a link to a Wikipedia article, but you have to tell us the name of it so that we can at least look it up on our own. And Marcus and I will decide who sent us the creepiest creature. <laughs> and uh, they <laughs> yeah. will be the lucky winner of Dredge because in order to go into the, the depths of uh, human knowledge in order to find this uh, you definitely deserve a game like dredge i think i love that you could have said you can win the game if you share our show and or comment on our video or no 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 i want nightmare fuel i, I want to see some things that will eat me at night <laughs> and i'm landlocked i want things that will make me scared uh, there are a lot of good options so i'm excited to see what people <laughs> send in Dredge didn't even need to make horrid abominations for their game. They could have picked... They exist. They, they exist already. <laughs> it's not hard to find the deeper you go into the ocean. So uh, that would be awesome. I would love to... Uh, I'm, I'm very looking forward to this. We will announce the winner on our next episode, which, like I said, will be in about two weeks. Uh, so if you want to enter, please submit your answer, and uh, we will send that code out. Very excited for that. Thank you again, Team 17, for uh, letting us collaborate with you on this. Yeah, we will send that code trout. Trout? We will send that code trout. Like, like out? Like, like, right, like right out? Send, you, uh, we'll send man. that code right trout? I don't know. It didn't It didn't land right away for me, so I'm not sure if that gets a ticker. <laughs> it wasn't good. It wasn't. Uh-huh. I failed. Yeah, we, we better quit while we're ahead. <laughs> while we're... A dredge. <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining us today. I recommend Dredge. You can find it on the Nintendo eShop. It is also available on other platforms as well. So, until next time, I'm Jared. I'm Marcus. And we'll level with you then. Yeah.